Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Optimus Solo, and welcome to the Mayhem. This is Mass Mayhem, Episode 1, and with me today is my Thunderhawk co-pilot, TFG1, Mike. Welcome aboard, sir. Technically, we should be using the Rhino, since Thunderhawk doesn't have a co-pilot. Yeah, but I want it to have a co-pilot. No, it doesn't. It's Matt Trackers only. <laughs> That's why this is this is our unique journey, where we have two people in the Thunderhawk. No, I prefer the two people. You can drive your Rhino, damn it, I'm driving my Thunderhawk. But Rhino is essentially a purple <laughs> Optimus Prime. That's why I don't want to drive it. Um, <laughs> it's too much like Nemesis. Uh, in, in this episode of Mass Mayhem, we will start by doing a little general talk, since this is the first episode, on the just general series notes, main characters, vehicles, music, etc. And then we will move into a discussion on episode one, The Death Stone. So buckle up. And enjoy the ride. Give me the best agents for this mission. Personnel selected. Brad Turner, motorcycle and helicopter pilot. Vehicle code name, Condor. Bruce Sato, mechanical engineer, mechanical specialist. Vehicle code name, Rhino. Alex Sector, computer and communications expert. Rhino Systems Commander. Ando McLean, weapons specialist, tactical strategist, vehicle code name, Firecracker. Dusty Hayes, auto and marine stunt driver, vehicle code name, Gator. Buddy Hawks, master of disguise, intelligence expert, firecracker. All right, now some of you might be used to us talking a little bit to each other or, you know, giving some background on what we've been doing lately and this or that, but uh, Mass Mayhem, we're not doing that. If you want to know more about us, tune into any of our other shows on the GeekCast Radio Network. But here on the Mass Mayhem, we are getting right after it and jumping into it. Um, And I think first we should talk a little bit about the main characters that are obviously introduced in episode one that we will follow throughout many episodes. Now, obviously, there will be additional characters that come along the way, and we will talk about those when it is appropriate. But the main characters introduced here in season one, first of all, for the good guys, the mobile armored strike man, Um, we have the leader, Matt Tracker. We have Bruce Sato who is obviously the Asian of the group. We have Alex Sector, Hondo McLean, Buddy Hawks, Dusty Hayes, and Brad Turner. So we have seven uh, good characters. 
so to speak. And we don't really get too much into the stereotypical characters, which we will get to as we introduce more characters. But out of those seven, did you have a favorite growing up or uh, one that you were more drawn to, Mike? Growing up, I liked Matt Tracker. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm an adult, and I'll get into this later, I don't like him so much anymore. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um... Uh, one thing to note about this, uh, these these main characters that we have just mentioned, is that one, two, three, four of them are all voiced by Doug Stone. <laughs> this is uh, this is one of those shows, and if you are familiar with our podcast, you've probably heard of us talk about this during Tooncast Classic when we talked about uh, some episodes like Silverhawks or Thundercats or this or that. Um, this is one of those shows where there is like seven voice actors doing all of the voices. Yep. Um, so it's a very small voice cast. There is a lot of people doing a lot of different characters. And, and yeah, for the good guys team, at least in this beginning with just those main seven characters, you are not getting a lot of different voices as far as people go. As far as people go, yes, but... Um, but there are distinct voices. I almost called him Matt Tracker. Uh, Doug Stone did an amazing job Changed of him. going from Matt Tracker to Bruce Sato to Alex Sector. Well, he didn't do Alex Sector. Oh, not not Alex. Um, Hondo uh, and uh, Hondo and, and Dusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think out of those seven, um, now obviously you're you're meant to be drawn to the leader. Yeah. Uh, you're meant to be drawn to Matt Tracker, who when I was a kid. He, I always thought like he looked like Duke's brother. He does, yeah. From GI Joe. Um, so obviously, there's there's a little bit of you as a kid that wants to be drawn to Matt Tracker. I personally kind of like some of the side characters. Um, I liked Dusty, and I liked Buddy. Yeah. Um, the most probably Bruce was kind of weird to me. Uh, Alex Sector, he was cool and all, but he almost didn't look like a good guy to me. <laughs> he's a bald-headed, he's got the big red like beard and goatee and he Hard, was, Rick, he, the pyrite. Yeah, and and Hondo just seemed a little I like his look, but he seemed a little slow to me when I was a kid. Just I don't know if it was the way he spoke or this or that. Yeah. Um and, and it kind of gets me into what I wanted to bring up next. I the reason I couldn't really like Hondo as a kid was because I didn't like his mask. <laughs> and I think that's really where it comes into play. Who's Matt's do you like best out of those seven good guys? Matt's, easily. Yeah. I like Matt's, and I like uh, Dusty's. Uh, For some reason. Dusty's is okay. Uh, Buddy's looks like some type of animal. Yeah, it's a little too weird. I mean, Hondo just gets a set of glasses, basically. Yeah. You can still see Alex's beard. Yeah. Bruce looks like he's getting ready to go fight fire. (laughs) Um, and Brad's is kind of cool, I guess. Maybe, maybe Bruce and Mati share powers. <laughs> Fight the fire of the art. But I, I do agree with you 100 percent that I that I like Matt's um, mask the best. Sticking with the good guys, just some more general talk. Uh, whose vehicle did you like the best? Now this is a before you answer. To me, there's a lot it's not like a clear cut winner here it's not like an obvious answer because the, the thunderhawk was very cool yeah rhino was very cool uh yeah. condor was even cool yeah what what vehicle did you like as a kid as a kid because i had it and i absolutely loved it i had rhino and i loved rhino like you see rhino coming you better run <laughs> That's <laughs> so sad because I never had any of these toys as a kid. Oh God! See, that's that's that's, that's and some of my friends did on so much different than any of our other shows because we're coming from almost two different perspectives. Because I had a majority of the mask toys and you didn't, and that's and, weird for me because I always had the toys for all the cartoons. Yes, and for me, just really quickly on a side note, as far as the toys go, I've said this before uh, on other podcasts. Um, I believe I was the only one of my friends to have Boulder Hill. Yeah. That was Never one even of saw the it. best play sets ever. Uh, I will say I'd like Condor in the show. Yeah. Not so much as a toy. Yeah. Um, because in the show it just looks cooler and in the toy it's kind of small compared to like the Thunder, Thunderhawk yeah. and, uh, and Rhino. I, I personally like Thunderhawk the best just because as a kid, how can you beat a car with wings? like that um it was just it was very cool 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have probably gone with that, but I can see, you know, why people would like Rhino or, you know, some of those other ones. Uh, let's transition a little bit into the, the only three bad characters that show up to begin the series. And that is the leader, Miles Mayhem, uh, Sly Rax, and Cliff Dagger. Those are the three bad guys we're introduced to in this first episode. Um, now, <laughs> sorry, Cliff Dagger, his uh, his mask is terrible. Looks, well, not only is it terrible, but when I was watching uh, the first episode, which we'll get to later, um, the first thing I thought of was, "Oh my God, it's Man in the Iron Mask!" Before Leo. De- Leonardo DiCaprio made that movie. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's it's the worst mask featured in the entire show. Yeah. From oh, so beginning good. to end. Yeah. Um, now, I say that with not 100% memory of every episode, so maybe someone will come along later on that will review and I'll say, what the freaking hell is that? But right now, this looks so much like a... Uh, it looks like a grunt, like a, a clone type, like just a bad guy with no name. Like just some like soldier foot soldier type yeah. guy. Oh yeah. It has not any of the personality that any of the other ones have. And none of the other ones basically have like a face painted on them. Yeah. Like the other ones have places for your eyes or, or places for your mouth or whatever, but this it looks like somebody took a thing and just painted a, a face like a jack lantern on it. Yep. Um so his mask is terrible. He as as a person is kind of a, a cool looking bad guy. Eh, he's all right. I mean, he's he's your prototypical, you know, kind of just he looks like a villain. Um, Sly Rax, I will say, I loved his voice. Uh, yeah. He he reminded me of um, a character from a second GI Joe reference. Um, he almost reminded me of I want to say Shipwreck, like uh, yeah, an evil version of Shipwreck. <laughs> yeah, I um, see that. And uh, just like the. Uh, um, the good guys. I am a little bit drawn to as far as masks go for the bad guys to the leader Miles Mayhem. Miles Mayhem. Oh yeah, Most he has a awesome getup. Yes, he does. He may be one of the coolest looking bad guys in all of '80s cartoon. Um, when he has the mask on. Well, yeah, when he has the mask on. When he has <laughs> the mask off, he looks like your prototypical boss. Yeah. You know, he's got the mustache. He looks like a general, an army general type guy. Um. So, I don't know. I think it's a good start with the three bad guys. It's a little odd that we're only introduced to three bad guys compared to seven good guys at the beginning. But that is kind of standard throughout 80s cartoons. Oh, yeah. That you have more good than bad. Well, with the exception of Transformers. I mean, there was thousands of Decepticons. Well, but at the beginning, there was... At the beginning of G1, there was way more Autobots than Decepticons. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we kind of had that. Um, as far as the bad guys' vehicles, do you have any that you like? Switchblade. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> Switchblade. Because the other two, or the other one, uh, Cliff Daggers, I'm like, so wait, it just becomes a gun turret? Really? That's it? And it, 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 it looked like a horrible 80s Chevy Blazer that my aunt and uncle had. I did it, like the toy of that. I like I, the, the jackhammer toy. Um, but it wasn't as cool as the other ones. Um, and Piranha, <laughs> it's like a motorcycle with a sidecar. Yeah. I always get cracked up the way they use the sidecar sometimes. Um, and basically, you know, it obviously turns into like a, a water submarine type dealio. Um, but yeah, it's, it's by far switchblade on this. It's, oh yeah. And then... Do you know what it reminds me of? Should I say this? Can I? Is it evil to make three GI Joe references? It reminds me of a lot of the GI Joe uh, Cobra planes, uh, <laughs> a little bit, but but cooler, cooler because you could do the helicopter part. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, so um, much cooler. And I guess we would be remiss if we did not speak if we're talking about the characters and everything else. We we forgot to, um, and that would be Scott Tracker and T Bob. Now I know you have certain opinions about this. I They're will say later, but I'm going to, I'm going to preface it right now. And I'm going to essentially give my hand away. I would take kicker from the transformers cartoons over Scott tracker any day. I couldn't disagree with you more. Uh, see Scott tracker to me, he's very comparable to any human sidekick you had in the eighties. As far as like, uh, um, the humans and transformers and G one I'm talking. 
Yeah. He's similar to like a Daniel or a Spike or whatever. I would take um, Daniel over. Well, Scott I would too. Day. I would too. But <laughs> but my point, my opinions of, of the combination of Scott Tracker and T Bob, because usually you have like one comedic sidekick or young character that the kids are supposed to relate to. I mean, that's just standard eighties like that's definition. Right. You have an eighties cartoon, you must include a kid because we think that's what kids will relate to. That way, they can see themselves in the cartoon, you know, being a part of it. And usually, you have one. You know, you have Snarf, or you have uh, Orko, or you have uh, Daniel Witwicky. You, you know, you have that one. Well, G.I. Joe didn't do that, but all the other cartoons se- seemingly did that. This was an instance where you had a, a team of, yeah. of Scott and T-Bob. Uh, T-Bob being the robot that kind of oh. turns into like a motor scooter type thing for Scott to ride on. Oh. I will say, though, and maybe I will change my mind as we go through these 75 <laughs> episodes, I am not nearly I don't find T-Bob and Scott nearly as annoying as some of those other sidekicks. Not yet. I kind of like T-Bob. I like the <laughs> way he talks, I like his voice. Um he's not as annoying to me as Orko or Snarf. Um I would take Bob McFadden's Snarf over T-Bob. Well, I would take his voice maybe, but I don't know. I, I I'm not upset about T-Bob and Scott Tracker yet. Give it time, dude. Give it time. Um, as far as the overall characters, um, I did make one note, and this will come in later with the rest of the episode notes, but I did want to read this here. Um, my note was, Matt Tracker seems to be a caring yet clueless father, especially when he doesn't know his son is sneaking off to follow him. Uh, and I'm sure this is going to come up later, and I'm sure at some point my own issues with my own father are going to come up at some point in this episode. Uh, because the episode that we're going to be reviewing um, just, I don't know, it hit me really, really weird when I rewatched it. I, Matt Tracker, and I know this is a tiny bit off the subject, but it is about Matt Tracker. To me, now I know the the, the voice work is hit and miss in this uh, show. Yeah. So some of it's good, some of it's bad. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I'm not saying this is going to be consistently how Matt is portrayed, but in this, at least for the first episode, it almost seemed like there was a disconnect between Matt's look and Matt's voice. Like, to me, it almost, like, didn't go together. Yeah. It was like, he's this leader, cool, calm, collective guy, but his voice almost seemed like it was coming from somebody else. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It was the only one I felt that with. Everybody else, I fit the voice with the character, but his, it just seemed weird to me. Um, But we'll kind of explore that as we go throughout the the series. Um, The only other thing I had written down for our general talk was a, a little bit about the music. See, I love the music. Well, I have stated this in numerous podcasts, and I don't know which ones, but I'm sure people that know me know this. But the Mask theme song is one of the top three to five theme songs in the entire decade of the 80s. Agreed. It, I, I know a lot of people have other shows that they like better, and they mistakenly think that the theme songs are good because it reminds them of that show. This blows away... Almost every other boys' action theme song out there. It, it's better than GI Joe. It's better than Thundercats. It's better than Silverhawks. It's better than Transformers. Um, and I'm the biggest uh, Transformers fan in the world. But I never thought you'd say anything was better than the Silverhawks theme song. No, this theme song blows every one of those out of the way. <laughs> the only one that can even come close to competing it, and it kind of depends what kind of theme song you like, is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Mask are the two best theme songs from an '80s boys' action show. 
I would agree, but I also, and I know I'm probably, Kevin's probably going to look at his computer and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, this is an explicit podcast, by the way. During the time, oh, people that have <laughs> listened to us before, they fucking know. I, know, I just wanted to say it since it was episode one. Yes. Um, uh, for me, comparing the theme song, I do agree with you. This is, well, I love all those other theme songs. This is by far my favorite. The only other one I would really equate this music with is the gem theme song. And that Most might girls, be... yeah. Right. Well, that another thing is that might be because when I caught these episodes of Mask, you know, in reruns, on, in syndication as a kid, I saw them either right before or right after Gem. So that's why I have the connection between the two shows. As... If, if I was ever creating a cartoon, if I somehow <laughs> had the ability to create a cartoon, and it came time for the theme song, I would search out whoever made the mass theme song. It was, there's, everything was good about it. Yeah. You have words that are explaining stuff. You actually have a song with lyrics. The sound gets you more pumped up for a show than just about any other theme song I've ever heard. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the only ones in the 80s that can compete with this, like I said, are Turtles, maybe Gummy Bears, DuckTales, um, and I have a small, a special place for Mysterious Cities of Gold, which most people don't even know what that is. But uh, th- but the themes throughout this show are good, too. The variations on the intro theme oh, yeah. that they use when they're selecting the team, that they use the when they... The villain theme, the villain theme is awesome when they go to the base, when yeah. they go to the Miles Mayhem base, that's awesome. Yeah, there's great themes that are that come out throughout. I'm sure at various times throughout our journey, we will come back and talk about the music. But we just had to get that out of the way right now that this show musically kicks some butt. The only criticism I give the theme song, and this is not the intro, this is for the outro theme, is I wish that there was a completely wholly instrumental version. Yeah. Um, I love that they had words at the end of it because most of the other ones... As far as I can, like, specifically the one I can remember off the top of my head is season one of G Transformers G1. It was just in the instrumental theme without the words. True. Um, I would have loved for the mask theme to have that at least once. It didn't have to be in every episode, but at least once because, I don't know, I just would have loved to have that. I can understand that for the outro part uh, and stuff like that. Right. But as, yeah. as far as the intro, there there was oh, no, I'm not no even, other way, no other yeah. better way to introduce an episode. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not even, no, no, no. I'm talking about specifically the outro, the closing music is what I'm talking right. about. No, no, no I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm just saying that the intro music is by far one of the best ways to introduce someone to the upcoming episode. All right, Professor Stevens, consider me handling the situation. In the meantime, just stay here and rest please hurry mr tracker the radioactive power in that meteor is the key to my new life-saving technique the wrong people could use it for destruction not if i can help it and now we move into episode one the death stone um this is the first episode uh we're just going to jump right in, give you a little bit of a plot synopsis and then we'll give a, a few comments on the plot in general uh, to start things off. Now, the episode, you start off at a dig site, basically, where a meteor or something to that effect has landed. Um, we're introduced first to a character, which we'll later find out is a character named Professor Stevens, and she is videotaping the uh, the scene there where the meteor is coming down, and then we are introduced to what seems to be some bad guys because there's some type of craft that is stealing the meteor, which we will later find out is the Death Stone. All right. There is a chase that ensues, which sees Professor Stevens uh, fly off a cliff into water below, and the bad guys, which we'll later find out is Venom, have stolen the Death Stone. We then jump to uh, Boulder Hill... And Matt Tracker, who has gathered Professor Stevens. Um, Wait a second. Sorry to interrupt you. It was at his house first. He didn't. He wasn't at Mask Headquarters. Well, at his house, which is connected to Mask Headquarters. Um, and he, he has... He, they basically kind of skip over it by saying, Hey, a member of my team found you or rescued you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so Professor Stevens is at his house. And she has heard of him, so there's some type of connection there that we're not 100% sure why they are know of each other. Um, but she quickly kind of explains to him the threat that is out there. 
and then this meteor had some special powers and in the right hands it could uh help create life save life bring life and in the wrong hands it could take away life or so essentially it's the holy grail before indy went to the temple (laughs) yes um so the 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 main gist of that is you need to get this back before it's used for evil you know classic good versus evil storyline so uh matt tracker then introduces us to the mask assembly montage and the team is selected and on goes the task to get the stone back now what we don't know or what the mask team doesn't know is when they're assembled and they go out to find the stone and get it back from venom that scott and t-bob do uh stow away in the back of the the thundercracker thunderhawk did i say thundercracker Yes. Well, it's Transformers and me. <laughs> um, and then we have the, the whole chase, and, and Venom has broken the, the stone into three pieces, so it's like a three different uh, prong chase scene. We yeah. do have, at one point, Scott being thrown from the Jeep thing, and then Hondo covering him and getting hurt. Um, so Hondo is hurt. That's kind of a... There's two main storylines here that, that kind of break off here one is getting the stones back and one is hondo being hurt and is he going to be all right and because he had to save scott etc right now the rest of the episode is basically a each part of the death stone being tracked down by the different mask vehicles and people right they they gather back at the base towards the end two of the death stone pieces have been recovered um but matt tracker has failed in getting the third until Scott comes in because Scott and T-Bob uh, comedically have got the last piece of the Death Stone. They combine the Death Stone, use it to save Hondo's life, and everybody lives happily ever after. That is the main plot for the first episode. Now, not necessarily getting into your, your favorite parts or, or your least favorite parts, because we'll get into that in a minute, um, but just as a general plot, did you have any thoughts or notes about this one? <laughs> oh boy really they're gonna do a meteor story right off the bat and i am the evil businessman i will cut this up and sell it for billions of dollars <laughs> oh, this is just classic 80s storytelling with you know cliche upon cliche upon cliche there's a lot oh. of that which you can kind of expect yeah, I, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I, to me, this this is one of the problems, but I, I can kind of – this is a pilot episode. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are going to have to be introduced and gone over and, and uh, you know, brought to the attention of the viewer. Right. So maybe you give it a uh, a pass because in a 22-minute episode that's a lot to do but but they did it well though no no but 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 i'm saying what they should have done which is what most shows did is the pilot is not a singular 22 minute episode right it's a multi-part yeah pilot is two three or five episodes because what that does is it allows you to not just introduce everything, which I mean the characters, the the main themes that are going to be done over and over again, the sequences that you're going to get used to, because a lot of 80s shows, you know, there's routines. There mm-hmm. is, like, the mass team being assembled, which you're introducing. You can expect that every time. That's like Thundercats, you know, holding up the sword and doing Thundercats, Thundercats Ho, or, you know, Mumra or Monstars transformation. There, there's stuff that happens over and over again. Yeah. And then you have to have that because kids like that. Right, so there, you have to introduce characters, you have to do all that stuff. To do all that in 22 minutes is, is impossible to then also have a story that has a good plot. Yeah. Unless you do two, three, or five episode pilots or miniseries, right. which a lot of them did miniseries first. Right. Um, and so my problem with the plot in this first episode is there is no plot. Yeah. Now, it's not because it couldn't have been. You could have had a, a, a complex plot given the fact that you have this stone, you know, and, and it can do different things, and it's out there, and the bad guys have it, and you have to try to track it down. But to do that in 22 minutes, it became literally the entire episode was a chase. The entire episode was the good guys ch- trying to track down the bad guys in vehicles to get these pieces back. There was, there's nothing else to this plot. <laughs> 
I mean, they kind of tried to throw a side story in with one of them getting hurt, and because then you need the stone. Yeah. And then it will kind of uh, complete the story because the stone will be destroyed at the end by using its powers to save him. So you yeah. don't have to deal with it again. But that's the only attempt at a side story. Otherwise, it's basically vehicles chasing other vehicles trying to get a rock. Yep, pretty much. So there really is no plot. No. And I will give it a pass somewhat, only because it's a pilot episode. But I think it's their fault for trying to do a pilot episode as one singular episode. Switching to laser-guided jet mode. Condor to Mach 1. Now, before people think we're going to be negative Nancy's throughout this whole thing, <laughs> we're going to talk about some highlights. We're going to change it to a positive. We're going to talk about some highlights from the Death Stone. <laughs> Would you like to go first? Oh, yes, because they're few and far between. <laughs> yes, we're going to be positive. <laughs> <laughs> but they are few and far between is all I'm saying. What are your positives? I love the assembling of the team. That is just so awesome. First of all, the music that comes up, the the computer voice that gives the information of what team member is what, um, cutting to each of the scenes of the team members, like one of them's at a pizzeria, the other one's at a rock concert. And during this whole thing, each of them has a Dick Tracy watch that the mask appears on. <laughs> yes. So awesome. The assembling of the team is by far one of my... It is a scene in every episode that I can watch over and over and over again because it's so awesome. And this is one of those things, like I said, that this is what made kids want to tune in every time. You you get things that you're familiar with. You have the theme song, which is cool. It pumps you up. You have this scene, which you count on. And yep. not only that, it it was a clever way to do it because unlike some of those other things like I mentioned, like when Moonstar or Mumra transform yep. or, or in some other shows, whatever else they do, uh, those are the same every time basically. Yeah. What this is clever about, it's the same, but it's different. It's very different. Yes. It's the same, but it's not the same team every time. Right. So you get different well, selections. It's not. Part, it's not the same team, but also, like, you know, I, I don't ever remember. And, and again, that's why we're going through this podcast, and I'll have to wait, and I'll probably correct myself on this. I don't ever remember, like, Rhino not being there. Well, I know. I, we're going to see this as we go, but from what I remember, it was not the exact same team every single time. No, it wasn't. There was like one or two, like... People Dusty, were left out. New people came in. Yeah, Dusty and Buddy switched out a lot of times with other people. Yes, you And are. We'll, we'll have to explore this, and maybe we'll keep a running track of, of who gets called on the most, and maybe yeah. you know we can keep track of that. But I, I think that's a cool way to do it, because it is the same sequence, but you're looking to see who is it going to be this week. Right. Is it going to be that character that, that you have the toy of or, yeah. you know, stuff like that? And I, I got to mention that the cutscenes were cool because it gave you the only background information you get for now on the characters. Yeah. And there was also some clever things like they have the pizza falling on the floor. They have yeah. the snake being put around the other person's head. Yeah. My favorite, though, and I even as a kid, this struck me as odd. The teacher... <laughs> sitting in front of the class, his Dick Tracy watch goes off, which is what alerts all of them that it's time to go. He leaves. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> the entire class has nobody watching them now, and he's out of there. <laughs> you're, That's a job always, you won't be keeping. It's, it, it always struck me as weird because even as a kid, you're like, that never happens. The teacher never leaves us. <laughs> yeah. I love that sequence where he just is like, bye class. And he doesn't even say anything. He just walks out. <laughs> Yeah, um, I love the uh, the vehicle conversions. Like, um, oh God, whose is it? It's um, Gator has a conversion, I believe. Um, Gator Condor. Gator and Condor have the conversions. Uh, they, uh, they do the Thunder Thunderhawk too. Th Thunderhawk and Rhino have conversions as well, but I mean, Thunderhawk essentially it's a DeLorean. Yeah, I know it's. I, I know that's not what the car is in the, in, in in the cartoon. It's supposed to be a. Uh, 
Pontiac Sign. I don't know what the hell. It's supposed to be something. I forget. But, like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, hey, it's a DeLorean in a cartoon. But I love the vehicle conversions because they were so awesome. And, yes, I'm calling them conversions and not transformations because. I think it was a Camaro, by the way. They convert Camaro. Okay. I think. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I love the vehicle abilities, like the hologram projection. Uh, the, um, what does Matt's do sometimes? What does Thunderhawk do sometimes? Well, they all, turn, I think if, as we see this, they're all going to do different stuff as we go through, because I don't think that was consistent. No. Well, like, um, Rhino's consistency was the lasers out of the smokestacks. But we did have, we had lifting beams, we had freeze rays, we had holograms. Right, right we yes. had box speed. Yeah, oh. uh, that's one of the things that uh, those the, um, the things though the thing I agree with you 100% the the cars and their abilities yeah or the masks and their abilities yeah. um are really because as a kid you like all the gadgets oh yeah I mean so, even now we like all the gadgets I mean right but I'm just saying like the the fact that they had these cool watches that gave them an alert the yeah. fact that they wear these masks that could give them powers yeah the fact that they're in cars that are as close to transformers that without being transformers. Yeah. Um, and without being as bad as GoBots. Well, it wasn't anything like transformers or GoBots. You didn't watch right. this you, as a kid. You didn't watch mask and think, Hey, this is like transformers. You never did because the vehicles aren't, you know, talking or doing anything like that. It right. was more like, wow, what is that Jeep going to turn into? Yeah. Like what else can it do? What's that second mode? And that's what made the toys cool too. But, uh, I think that's what this show did really good on. Yeah. Um, Also, what the show did really good on was, you know, we talked about the music earlier. The sound effects are amazing. Yeah, sound effects are good. The laser effects, the, I mean, just, they had one of the best, along with a lot of the other 80s cartoons, best sound effect libraries ever. And I also will give them a lot of credit, and this really stood out to me watching this episode back. That they went to the length to make the characters' voices sound different when they have the mask on than when they have them off. Yep. I yep. thought that was really cool, and that's not something that they would have had to do. They probably could have cut short, you know, taken a shortcut and been like, it's just going to sound the same always. But yep. I, I respect the fact that when they're in the mask, it has a little bit of an echo slash, you know, in, coming from inside a mask sound. Yep. I thought uh, that was really cool. I just have two more here. I like the the ice animation bit. When they, the freeze <laughs> ray. Guy, yeah, the freeze ray. I love that. That was so cool. Yeah. And it, I think it just goes back to like all those different things, in, especially in this first episode where you don't really know what to expect, and it's almost hitting you left and right. Like, this one's doing a freeze ray. This one's doing some type of lift beam. You know, this one's doing that. And it was like, what is each one capable of? You're trying to sort it out in your head as you're watching this for the first time, like, who has what abilities? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you never cool. do it. Yeah. Well, because you still never know for the moment. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying it's not something you expect going into it. Oh, no, it, not at all. You know, it, it looks, from a visual aspect, it almost looks like G.I. Joe, as far as the people go. Yeah. They have that same kind of look, and it's and it's an organization, an evil organization against a good organization, and it all kind of looks like that. And then when they start doing this other stuff, where the vehicles all have these abilities, you know, it's like, wait, this is something completely different Yeah. as a kid. And I think that really helps separate this from some of those other shows. This is kind of, my final note for this episode is kind of leading into the negativity. The best thing about Scott Tracker is when he kept his mouth shut during the PSA. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um what about you? What did you uh, have for highlights that you liked out of this one? Well, a lot of it you've already touched on. I love the the mask routine of of the team selection. Yeah. Um. I love. I just think they did a real good job with gadgets and and vehicles like a car that can fly. Who doesn't love that? Um. You know the the cars that could transition and go in the water. All that different stuff is stuff that they did and they did well, and they didn't bombard you with. I mean, it seems like they're bombarding you in this first episode because there's a lot to take in. Yeah. But overall, it's not like they're throwing dozens and dozens and dozens of vehicles and cars and, and characters. Even though the 80s cartoons often get accused of being a 30-minute toy commercial. Yeah. This one almost, even though it was and it was selling certain toys, 
this wasn't a situation where they wanted to sell so many toys that they keep introducing you to new, 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 new vehicles, new, 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 new characters. There's right. a consistency here where you just have your, your core. Yeah. And, and it was kind of cool because you, you get used to them on a weekly basis instead of seeing the new thing. I mean, they do introduce some new stuff, but it's not like new stuff every week. Right. Um, and so I just appreciate all the gadgets. That's a highlight for me, the, all the different abilities. Um, the only other thing I had that we didn't mention was uh, how fun would it have been to live in Matt Tracker's mansion as a kid? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, they show him playing ping pong or whatever with T-Bob and then scooting around on the scooter with him from place to place. And there's, uh, you know, secret tunnels and he can spy on his dad and there's windows that have barriers that come up. I mean, it's a kid's dream house. Yeah, it is. So I got to love not only the vehicles and all the gadgets, but the but the actual like houses, buildings, locations and stuff like that. Yeah. Though at least the ones that we see in this episode. Right. So those are my highlights. Hang on, Scott. Old Dusty's coming. Yee-haw! Scott, don't move. Time for a little antimatter. That should hold them. We've got a job to finish. Matt, your kid's here. Gone. What's he doing here? Hondo's hurt, and it's all my fault. Unfortunately, we could only stay positive for so long with this first episode. <laughs> and now it's time to put the low beams on. Um, I got to start with a couple things, and we'll kind of go back and forth. Go ahead. Uh, my one biggest problem with this episode... It's a pilot episode, and it gives no backstory, no origin story, and no background whatsoever. The only background you get is the brief seconds that you could somehow get from the selection, the team selection sequence. Yeah. You can kind of figure out what each mask member did as a side job or for his regular, you know, kind of... Uh, Cover, his real life job. His cover job. Yeah. To not show what he did. So you can, can get a tiny bit of that. But otherwise, it's like you instantly are bombarded with these two teams of people, Mask and Venom, that are battling each other, that have cars, that have masks. We don't know why they have masks. We don't know exactly what the mask, the power of the masks are. Yeah. We don't know why they're fighting each other. Um, and you, I mean, you kind of can tell who the leaders are of each group, but. There's really no origin story, and I am huge on origin stories and backstories. Now, they say that – I've heard people mention that the comics, which I think there might have been like nine comics, mm-hmm. um, that that goes into a little bit of the backstory. But if I'm remembering right, those were not available before the series started. No, they were So when you're a kid watching this, there was no way for you to know what the hell is going on here. Now, what I remember without actually looking any, anything up on my computer – what I remember from reading about the comics is that Miles Mayhem and Matt Tracker were once friends. Right. They created the masks. They created the technology. And I think that's stuff that's revealed something, later on in the series. Right. Something happened. I think, I don't know if Miles killed him or if it happened in an accident. Something, something happened where Matt's brother died. And that's where the veer went off and, you know, Miles became Venom. And and that's know, something that. we'll be able to explore when they reveal that. But if you're a kid watching this first episode, that's stuff you don't know. Right. Exactly. And, and to me, it's kind of uh, a mistake on their part. It's another reason why they should have had a multi-part uh, pilot yeah. because they would have been able to introduce you because you spend half of your time in this episode, first of all, distracted by all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, because you're looking at this car doing that, and this mask doing that, and this chase over here, and that gun hologram thing over there, and the other half, you're in the back of your head trying to figure out what is going on, and you're yeah. trying to sort it out. And to me, that's a, a, a low light of this episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What What do you have as one? Because um, I got some other ones too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you take your? I mean, I'll, okay, I'll go, I'll I'll, go ahead. Well, I'll take my minor ones, and then I, and then I'll, and then you can take what other ones you have, and then I'll go into my major ones. Okay. Um, T. Bob sucks. End of story. T. Bob is just <laughs> I disagree. Not in this episode. The dumbest thing I have ever. I mean, like 
T-Bob is worse than Wheelie. No, he's well, Wheelie's not bad either, so. <laughs> um, I kind of, and again, I haven't seen these episodes in years. You know, Shout Factory, amazing as they are, finally got Mask on, on DVD here in the U.S. Uh, was it last year? Yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, and Thank you, I haven't seen this in a while, and when the motorcycle turned into a helicopter, I was like, wow, really? Because it, like, it, it just shocked me that it would turn into a helicopter. That was cool, though. I, it, it is cool, but it was like one of those things where, oh, wow, how is that even technologically possible? <laughs> well, that's what's cool about all of them is that they're basically right. not possible. And it was kind oh, of cool right. seeing what each thing was going to transition into. Um, that was the one that kind of caught you off guard, but I, I thought it was kind of cool. It is kind of cool, but it still it made me just <laughs> go like, what the fuck? <laughs> so what about you? What are some of your other uh, lowlights that you have? I think my biggest one, besides the no origin story and the no no backstory type thing, is mm-hmm. the issue of character immortality. Now, let me preface that by saying I know it's the 80s, mm-hmm. and I know we're not going to see characters die because that happened once and it caused some uproar <laughs> um and everybody some, sh- some uproar i love how you downplay that well you know <laughs> just look at my name and you should be able to figure out what character i'm talking about <laughs> but uh so i realized that overall generally in the 80s characters are not going to die right. that i don't have a problem with my problem is then when you put them in situations that no human being could ever survive Exactly. Like, if you're not going to have anybody die, that's fine, but don't have them in death situations. And this episode does a terrible job of highlighting that, because first of all, we have Professor Stevens, who goes off of her Jeep, off of a cliff, which is, by the animation, at least a two-story... Yeah. At least a two-story drop. Yeah. If not three-story drop. Yeah. All right. I don't care if you hit water. You're dead. <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. And the tape that you're carrying is no longer intact. Yeah, no. The videotape's damaged. You're dead. All right. Then we have Scott Tracker, oh, who boy. first of all gets thrown. Thrown. He's a, he's a, well, how old is he? Uh, are we going to say 10? Yeah, 10 or 11, maybe. You know, somewhere in the 9 to 11 age range. He's not middle school, but he's not a young, young kid. Um, He gets thrown from a moving vehicle out the back onto a not water, not a padded room. He's thrown onto dirt pavement rocks. Yes. Right? He's dead. (laughs) Okay, let's say he survives that. At least he has a concussion. Let's say he survives that without a couple broken arms and legs. <laughs> he later gets in a helicopter slash plane. Yes. Um, he gets into Miles' vehicle yep. and starts to bounce around the pavement on it because he can't fly. Yeah. So it's literally like bouncing around almost like a like this is the most cartoony sequence of the entire episode. And he survives that. Yeah. Right. So that's bad. Those are bad things because I can understand that they're not going to die, but don't have them do these things that are just like something that you can't really, because he's a kid you're supposed to be able to relate to. You can't relate to somebody flying out of a car and not having a scratch on them. (laughs) What makes it worse, and this is the ultimate lowlight of this entire episode, is when Hondo, though, covers him up, gets hit by nothing, and is gravely... I know. I was. I watched that like I watched it seen like five fucking times before we recorded this episode, and I was like, "Wait a second! Nothing hit him. How is he near death?" Even if they didn't show it, I mean, I know they show the you know what do we call it? Blows up the bullet, and there's rocks and debris falling, and and maybe we're supposed to think that a, a big rock hit him or something. That's fine, but you can't have one character go flying off a cliff three stories high, survive. Another character get thrown from a Jeep and another in the same character being bounced around in a helicopter. They all survive. This guy lays over somebody might possibly get hit by a rock and he is on the verge of death. Yeah. That to me was the worst part of this episode. Oh, I, I, I so agree. Um, Oh, by the way, when Scott uh, jumped out of the helicopter after it was bouncing around, 
he cleanly landed on his feet and started walking and running around. He jumps out of the helicopter that is moving and, and lands on his feet. Um, so, so that is probably my biggest low light. So the, the tape should have been damaged. Those people should have been hurt. Hondo on the other hand should not have been hurt. And that is the main, the second main storyline of this thing is him being hurt and needing to be saved when he did nothing. He laid on a kid and got hit by nothing. Um, my minor ones real quickly. There's a scene where they, uh, the mask team is trying to locate the, uh, the death stone Mm -hmm. and they use a radiation tracking satellite. Because the Death Stone will have radiation in it. Yeah. All right. The radiation tracking satellite scans what I only can assume to be almost like a a a, a small town's space of of geography. Right. It, it scans a big area. It finds one source of radiation. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody was using a microwave. Yeah, that's uh... now. It could be explained away to maybe they were looking for a very large possibly scale. Of radiation, because, you know, microwave radiation or radiation that emits from appliances and stuff like that... Yeah, it's small. ...is, is kind of small. I just so. couldn't believe that there was nothing in that whole area that had radiation besides what they were looking for. Um, yeah. Now, two things that I will give them a pass on. There seemed to be some very melodramatic dialogue going on there, oh, and, and, and the, the pace of this first episode is slower than I remember the series being. <laughs> now, slower, I don't mean... Slower because there's a lot of action going on and there's a lot of chases, but like the whole uh, beginning sequence where Matt is discussing stuff with with Professor Stevens and then they select the math team. That's a slower version of that than yeah. There's is. a lot of dead space before and after that. Yeah, there is. Like where he's going down the thing and getting into the car and then taking it to mask headquarters, etc. That that seemed like it played out very much slower than I remember that, and we'll have to see if that gets faster as we watch episodes. I don't. I can remember. tell you it does. Okay, I don't uh, remember it being that slow. The reason why I can tell you it does is because I don't remember them always using the um, the the under shuttle. The, <laughs> the tunnel car, the shuttle car. Yeah, I don't remember them always using that sequence, but I see why it is needed in this episode. Yeah, it shows the connection there and whatnot, but it just seemed like it was very slow. Like they needed to like uh, yeah. fill some time, so they made those scenes very slow. Yeah. Um, my only, my last one, and this is another one that kind of made me go. Now I like all the gadgets, and I like the uh, freeze ray that's used, and uh, you know a lot of the different. I couldn't keep track of them all because there was so much happening in the first episode. But I liked a lot of the stuff the cars were doing. Yeah. I have a major problem with the fact that a missile, which I assume was a heat-seeking missile, somehow. Uh-huh follows a hologram <laughs> like he, he he puts a hologram out there of of, a, of the car of the vehicle mm-hmm. and the missile then decides to latch on and follow a hologram now maybe i'm retarded i thought holograms maybe. were visual well there are holograms that are almost real they're called hard light constructs um this is just a visual one, isn't it? This is just something on optical illusion like Mirage from Transformers. It could be. I don't understand why a missile is following something that's not real. <laughs> I, I don't know. And it, it, that, that, that was the only gadget that bugged me. It was the fact that the missile followed the hologram. Yeah. So what were your other low lights? Okay, here we go. Hondo's hurt and it's all my fault. <laughs> Well, no shit, you dumbass kid. You shouldn't be trying to interfere with adult situations. And you're you riding fuck. in the back of a Jeep with no seatbelt. <laughs> okay, that's that's one. So you get in the switchblade to contact mask. Then you stupidly touch the controls. Even I knew as a kid not to touch the goddamn steering wheel or the gear shift in my mom's fucking car. What that the was fuck like, do you know what that was like? Kid? That like, was the only thing that could make me remember or think of was Anakin Skywalker being in the fighter in episode one and episode somehow one. Yeah. and somehow then going off into space and being yeah. able to fly it. Uh, and my He's a better flyer, though, than Scott. Oh, yes, most definitely so. <laughs> my final one, which this makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, let's expose Hondo to radiation. That'll make him live. <laughs> it's good oh, radiation. God. It's good radiation. <laughs> There's a such thing. Trust me, oh, it's out there somewhere. Go stand it. Go put your hand in a microwave. It'll it'll cure your finger. Shut up. <laughs> I just 
can't. Oh God, this. The... Now, before people, I'm glad. Okay, I, hold on. Before you say that, I, I, I'm glad you put in the highlights first because I guarantee you, as we go through and analyze this, I'm going to have way more lowlights. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say we, we do. I want. I don't want people to think we hate on the series. We we love the series. At least I do. I love Mask in concept. I love it. I I loved it as a kid, and I'm not going to be – it's not going to be a hate fest this entire time. Um, We're going to point out things that we see that we don't, you know, like or, 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 you know, we're going to try to be some nitpicky stuff or whatnot. But, you know, if an episode's good, we're going to say it's good, and if it's bad, we're going to say it's bad. Um, But don't think we're hating on the show specifically because that's not necessarily the case. We did it, partner. Why don't you bring in the last piece of that old meteor, and we'll fix up Hondo good as new. I don't have it, Dusty. I failed. Hey, anyone want a meteor? Ta-da! It was stashed in the truck me and T-Bob took. All right, now we're going to go over some overall thoughts on episode one, The Death Stone, and we will also give our ratings, and we'll explain that whole system at the at the end of this part. But uh, before we get into the overall thoughts, one thing we didn't talk about was... The good old PSAs. I mean, we kind of mentioned it in, in passing, but I do want to point something out because I was listening to some other stuff out there on the internet. Um, this, and there was some confusion on on why the PSA was included in these episodes. And, and the question was, was it included as filler because they needed to fill more time? Was it included because it was supposed to be some comedic relief or whatnot? And I think apparently... Uh, those people that were questioning that forgot what the 80s was like. Um, <laughs> PSAs were the, the reason why we could get these types of shows. There would yeah. be no Mask, uh, He-Man, Thundercats, Transformers, G.I. Joe without PSAs. Um, yeah. Because there was parental groups galore that would have protested this stuff out of the airwaves if there was not some type of pro-social uh, announcement at the end. So this is mandated. They, they didn't have a choice. Uh, they had to have these in there. And each show had their own way of doing it, but the reason they're there, if you're wondering, is because they had to be. Um, And the PSA in this one was a kid looking both ways before he crosses the street so he doesn't get hit by a car while he reaches down for his baseball. Yes. And it was fantastic. Lame. (laughs) So we will see what the other ones are, but this this is your prototypical 80s PSA. Fantastically late. <laughs> so then for overall thoughts as far as uh, episode one, The Death Stone, goes, um, go ahead, Mike. It ties into my rating, so why don't you go ahead first? <laughs> All right, well, I'll go into that, and then I'll explain the ratings, and then we'll let you go. Um, yeah. Some of my main thoughts on this one, there was no stone left unturned in episode one. There was no tricks that were up their sleeve that they did not show us or use in episode one. Yeah. Um, from the standard things like the mass, the team selection, to the kids tagging along and causing problems, but then somehow being the heroes, um, to the every single episode be, or uh, vehicle being showcased. Every vehicle having a transition, having different gadgets and weapons, the the, the watches, uh, you know, they they threw everything at you. Yeah, I agree. In, in in episode one, they introduced you to everything to the point where it was almost too much. The only um, thing that was missing was the kitchen sink. Yes, they, there's nothing left. I mean, there will be new characters and there will be new vehicles and there will be new masks and stuff like that. But but there is not a lot not shown to you in this first episode. Yeah, and. Because of that, we sacrifice the plot. Yes, exactly. Um, and and there basically is no plot. Um, no. And no I, plot. I, I don't care what anyone says. There is no plot in this. This is a chase. The entire scene, the entire episode is a car chase over an artifact. Yep. Um, over an artifact that crashed to the earth that after it saved the life of a guy that didn't even need a life-saving procedure, <laughs> it just dissipated. Yes. Um, now, that being said, I don't want it to sound like it's overall, like, there's no redeeming qualities to this episode, because a lot of the stuff they do throw us a lot, at us, a lot of the tricks, a lot of the gadgets, vehicles, masks, et cetera, et cetera, are cool. And that's why you yeah. tune in again. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool things for boys. Boys like their toys. Story-wise, it's got to get better. 
Yeah, it, um, it better get better. And the way we're going to do the, our ratings every episode is we are going to rate it on a scale of zero to five masks. Yes. So we will score each one zero to five, and I will give my rating, and then let, I'll let you talk about your overall thoughts. My rating for this one, and only because it's the pilot episode, so I'm giving it a little bit of a slack, I'll give it two and a half masks out of five. <laughs> so go ahead with your overall thoughts. The Death Zone gets a two out of five masks for me. Uh, <laughs> yes, it introduces the heroes and villains and all the awesome stuff that Kevin just mentioned about the, the theme song and the uh, the assembling the mask team and everything else. But it also shows that Tracker barely pays attention to his son's activities. <laughs> I mean, like, what is this guy? Like, is this guy supposed to be some 80s Tony Stark that doesn't pay attention to anything in his fucking life seriously outside of, you know, running you know, his vehicle service. I mean, really. First of all, he's in a secret, like, room with his, this mass computer that there's a lot of, like, important things going on, message and stuff. No kid, nobody, no person, no anything should be able to overlook and overhear and eavesdrop on what's going on in that room. And yet Scott Tracker stands right there in the doorway, on uh, out, out of the corner of the doorway and listens in. If it's that easy for a kid to do, you're inviting your your nemesis and your you know the bad characters to. I mean, come on, get some better security here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know what? I just kind of thought of this, and the reason, and some people are going to be like, "Oh, you're hating this on this episode, giving it two and two and a half masks." Uh, if you were to take every other '80s boys action cartoon. And if we were to do a comparison of all of the different pilots, literally, realistically, this would be at the bottom. It would be, yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is because this is just, as we've said before in the in earlier in the episode, this is just a one-episode pilot, whereas Transformers had a three-parter. Uh, G.I. Joe had a five-part miniseries. Thundercats had a, had a was it two-parter? Three, uh, whoa, whoa, well, they what? had different miniseries for each season. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, you know, all this of those other Hawks, ones... This and Silverhawks would be the the two probably worst pilots for a boys' action show in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, even Jim had a better pilot because it it was like, hey, this is going to be to be continued next week. Yeah. And they continued, like, even though Jim, the first five or six episodes were all individual episodes, they all tied to each other. They didn't They didn't list them as part one, part two, part three, part four, part five. Maybe, maybe one day on GeekCast Radio we'll have a, a thing where we look at pilot episodes. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> but this is not a good one. No, not at all. Uh, and, and, you know, and to be fair, on a 0 to 5 scale, 2 and 2.5... That's ha- that's half of you know that's not, you could know. be worse. We didn't give it a zero or one or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I we're mean, not saying it's awful. I... There were some redeeming qualities in it. Oh yes. It's just from a story standpoint and and stuff like that. It, it's it hopefully will improve as we as we continue our journey. Yes. Um, so with that, we're going to take a quick break. Hold on. There's a battle we have to tend to. Be right back. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you and your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand, no syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code Geekcast Radio when you register. Mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Convert switchblade to jet mode. Surprise, Matt Tracker. It's mayhem. Battle station. Protect your decoder, Bruce. I'm going up. Stacks, ready to fire. Mask, switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Fire! Each sold separately with action figure. Cover me, Matt. 10-4. Sato's getting away. But you're not mayhem. Mask, switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Each sold separately. New from Kevin. These are your masked mayhem quotes of episode one. 
First up, let's hear from T-Bob. Mask? No, I don't know anyone named Mask. I used to know somebody named Marvin, but he doesn't live around here. The next quote has something to do with Lady Godiva. No one could survive that crash. Too bad she was a good driver. But not a good diver. <laughs> There's a gator in them there waters. Ah, uh, yes, parenting at its finest of the 80s. I don't know whether to hug you or spank you. The villain of the week. Mask may have won the battle, but the war goes on. Next time, the victory will be mine! We got him. Now back to the show. All right, we're back, and we'd like to thank you for being a part of Mass Mayhem today. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. First of all, you can visit the website, www.geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on all of our different posts. You can also send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can also leave shows feedback in iTunes, and since this is the first episode, this is your first chance to be the first one to leave us iTunes feedback, and we will read those comments and react to them on the show, so please do that. That would be awesome, and give us five-star ratings if you don't mind. You can follow us on Twitter. The show there, your main Twitter there is GeekCast Radio. Uh, what's your Twitter? TF2 and Mike. And mine is Optimus Solo. And you can also become a fan of us on Facebook, GeekCast Radio Network, and Mike does an excellent job of posting stuff about updates, um, giving you blasts from the past of old episodes that we've done, and all kinds of cool, geeky-related stuff, so you should definitely become a fan of us on Facebook. You can also call the voicemail line and tell us the show you're leaving the message for, so Mass Mayhem, and give us uh, something we can call you, or your name. The number there is 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mass Mayhem, and don't forget to join us on our next crusade when we will be discussing episodes two and three, The Star Chariot and The Book of Power. For now, I'm Optimus Solo with... Dave, Joe, and Mike. Tune in and next time when we take another look at what lies behind the masquerade. Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 